Yeah, Les says that we don't have that music very often. Maybe we should. Southern Gospel Quartet. Um, one of my favourite genres. I hope you enjoyed that. We would have enjoyed Wendy and Ty singing it as well, but um, due to circumstances. Well, due to the success we had last time when we did a quiz, we're going to do another quiz, folks. This time you've got to identify who said these famous words for a very large prize. Back, back. Never in the field of human conflict has so much being owed by so many to so few. Who said that? Winston Churchill. Yes, and he's referring to what? Yeah, the... the the, the airmen in the Battle of Britain. But don't worry, there's more questions here if you missed out on that one. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Sorry? Monty Python, yes, yes. Sorry? Um, it's from Julius Caesar, but he didn't speak it. No, it wasn't Brutus. Oh, who said that? Mark Anthony, yes. I come not to bury Caesar, but to praise him. Well, Monty Python stole it. All right. When you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. Oh, good, I get one for myself. Is a, an American president, World War II? You've already got one, John. No, it wasn't Truman, before Truman. One before Truman. Hoover, no. Ike was after Truman. Franklin D. Who said it? Dave. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Yeah, it's kind of a cute one. Here's one probably a little more relevant than that. If you look closely, most overnight successes took a long time to get there. If you look closely, most overnight successes took a long time to get there. I give you, his first name was Steve. All right, finally. <laughs> Steve Jobs, noted for 
Lots of compute, yeah, Microsoft. Okay. Last one. I thought I had another one. Have you got another one there, honey? You stolen one? You do? Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. No. You've got to go back thousands of years. Thousands. Aristotle's teacher. No, Plato's teacher. Socrates, all right. Thank you. What was his first name? Who knows? <laughs> we got another one. Okay. Give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. No, it wasn't Joshua. This is offsider. Who said that? There we go. Finally. Caleb. Caleb. This morning is kind of a preacher's dream because now I've got an hour to preach. <coughs> no, I won't. I won't do that to you. Abraham, which we've been following, is a story of developing faith. Caleb... His story is about an enduring faith. And right from the first encounter with Caleb, he was one who God identified as having a different spirit. In fact, he says he walks by a different spirit. We would say that he travels to a different drum or he marches to a different drum. His wholehearted commitment we're familiar with if we go back to, to Exodus, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Our text today in Joshua 14 takes place in Canaan, which is pretty much now under Israelite control. They've come out of the land of Egypt, they've had the Exodus, They've done the circuitry for 40 years and now they're in the land and they've conquered most of the land. It's just been a mopping up operation. There's still pockets to deal with. And now it's time to distribute this land to the various tribes of Israel. 
And that brings us to our text this morning. Ty is going to read for us. Joshua 14, verses 6 through 15. It's there in the middle of your bulletin. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of, I mean, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh, Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to the battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Thank you. We're fairly familiar with the story of Joshua and Caleb. Please follow along while we look at his faith and has it sent you. Oh, we've got slides. Wonderful. A profile of enduring faith. <clears throat> his story is a little bit different than ours, but there are common dynamics. The first one is that Caleb endured the heartache of disappointment. Now, we've all had disappointments. We've had one this morning, right? We can't sing, we can't do the normal things, we've had to mask up. But Caleb was one of the original 12 that went into the land in a reconnaissance that Moses sent in Buy out the land and come back and tell us what it's like. This is just after they had experienced the exodus. Well, out of those 12, only two believed God when he said, go and take the land. Ten of them said, whoa, let's not be too quick on this. This land is so big. The people are giants. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. We better not venture forth. 
And because of their lack of faith, they then wandered the desert for 40 years. So put yourself in Caleb's position here. He was confident that God would help them, that they would conquer the land, and every day he got up and was reminded when he looked around, this was desert, and the other ten had led them there. He knew that if they had followed what he and Joshua had said and followed the Lord, they'd be in the promised land. Instead of that, every day, he lived with the disappointment that he was in the desert. He wandered the wilderness for those 40 years knowing that his fellow leaders lacked the faith to trust in God and they could have avoided 40 years of wandering in the pain. Now, throughout this time, you know, the Lord provided for them. They had manna every day. Every day. The same food. Every day, the manna. I don't know if you've ever been stuck in that position. Every day, the same food. Everyday chocolate. Is that a pain? Oh, I guess it could be. I can remember a time when we were living in Oregon. And we were studying. And we'd run out of money and we'd run out of food. But a friend had come around and given us survival rations. This person was a conspiracy theorist and they'd stacked up their basement with tins of everything. So they gave us these tins of corn flour. Just as manna, you can make pancakes, you can make cake, you can make cake, you can make pancakes, pikelets, you can make porridge. Let me tell you, Alexis used all of those sorts of things to make us through that week. Don't ask my children to eat corn flour. After a while, it gets a little too much. How many ways can you turn out the same food? 40 years. The disappointment, they never had to do this. Caleb's faith enabled him to keep moving because he knew that 40, for the 40 years, God's promise was that he would inherit the land. Let me read to you what he was promised. Back in Numbers 14, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills this whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt 
and in the desert, but they disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will see the land that I have promised to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land and his his descendants will inherit it. He hung on to this promise for 40 years, getting up every morning and being reminded the disappointment was deep, but the faith was greater. We can all recall times of disappointment when our faith gets shaken. Sometimes we ask, what on earth is the Lord doing here? Why me, Lord? What have I done to deserve this? We've all had those sorts of thoughts. But it's those times that define us. It's those times when the depth of our faith is laid down in those disappointing times when we know that God's hand is still holding us. Caleb endured those 40 years of disappointment knowing God's character and his promises would be fulfilled. But not only the disappointment, he also endured the heady heights of victory. See, sometimes our faith is vital and strong when we're in great need. Some part of our human spirit reaches out and we meet God's spirit in the midst of that pain or in the midst of that disappointment. However, it's also true that when our lives are in cruise control and all is well, our faith can become slack and we can rely on ourselves and our own wisdom. And we can forget God was there in the hard times because now we're doing so well. Caleb was part of the group that had taken Jericho. An amazing event. And they felt, hey, boy, we've done such a good job. We're going to go out there and wipe out this little city of Ai. They were full of enthusiasm and victory. And of course, they went to Ai and got their backsides kicked. when we have that sense of where we've arrived, when we've experienced the victory, we are probably more vulnerable than when we are down. But Caleb's faith endured those heady heights as well. And I want you to note something. 
Caleb wasn't a Jew. When those listings of the 12 spies is laid out for us, he's referred to as the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. And Kenizzites weren't part of the Israelite line. They came from Esau. They were cousins of sort. We don't know how Caleb ended up in Egypt with the Israelites. But we do know that he was named and placed into the tribe of Judah. So he's gone from being the tribe of Esau and the Kenizzites into the tribe of Judah. This was aristocracy. This was the tribe from which the kings and the prophets This was royalty in the Hebrew nation. He was floating high. Not only that, he was now the two I see to Joshua. Not a bad sort of promotion for someone outside of the nation of Israel. He had stood by Joshua through all those wonderful victories. In the last five years, they had taken away all of the barriers to the promised land. But I'm not sure whether it was a high or low. You see, we all know famous duets or double acts. Here's a test for you. Torval and Dean, all right? Abbott and Costello. Or was that Howard and Costello? I don't know. Um. Sonny and Sher. It's often hard to play the second in a double act. To be number two when number one gets all of the, the praise and it's actually your job that got them there. But Caleb was able to maintain his faith. His faith endured. He knew that his faith was based on his relationship with God, not his relationship to Joshua or his place in the family of Judah. His faith was in God. But not only that, his faith endured the hazards of an an active retirement. See, from a relatively young man of 40, They spent 40 years in the desert, but when he was 40, he was alive. He wanted to go and take this land. And then 40 years later, they did it. And now he's 85. But he continued to display this same enduring faith. 
over those 45 years, we don't know whether this was longer than that, but we know about those 45 years. At the age at which most men would be entertaining the idea of going into a retirement home, <coughs> Caleb was able to look into the future and still had an enthusiasm, optimism, hope and passion. He didn't say, leave me alone, just hand me a fishing rod and a, and a pole and I'm, I'm off down to the beach. He didn't say, I deserve a rocking chair or a nice place to just sit and enjoy my retirement years. He said, give me this mountain. See, they were dividing up the promised land. Some had already been given before they'd crossed over the Jordan, but now they were dividing it up. And he didn't settle and said, well, okay, well, Judah's going to get something, I'll get something. He said, no, give me this mountain. And Joshua said, okay, you can have it, but let me tell you, it's not going to be easy. The descendants of Anak are on that mountain, this Mount Hebron. And it was inhabited by the Analekites, a feared tribe of giants. Deuteronomy 9 tells us that they are a formidable opponent and a form had a formidable reputation says this, Hear, O Israel, you're about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities and have walls to the sky. The people are strong and tall. Anakites. You know about them. You've heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? But Caleb wasn't deterred by their size or their strength. He believed that God had promised him this land and he was going to claim it. Be assured, the day that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire, he will destroy them, he will subdue them, he will drive them out as the Lord has promised you. So we find in Joshua 15 how Caleb spent his retirement. From Hebron and Caleb drove out the Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman and Talmai, descendants of Anak. From there he marched against the people in Debir. So Caleb spent his retirement conquering the areas in the promised land that the young men said were unconquerable. So let me say a few words to the senior members of our congregation. Let's see a few. It's inevitable that we grow old physically but we don't ever have to grow old mentally. 
Unfortunately, many make the wrong choice and their minds follow their bodies. Ecclesiastes 12 refers to three attitudes that can lead to demise in our old age. Ecclesiastes 12 says, In an old age, grasshoppers become a burden. which is a reference to the fact that for some elderly people, little things become hard to bear. Little grasshoppers. Sometimes in old age, we choose the little things to bother us. We have an increased sensitivity to the trivial and the insignificant things in life. And unfortunately, those small inconveniences become big burdens when they're only grasshoppers. Solomon warns us not to let grasshoppers become a burden. It also says that old age brings this characteristics of being afraid of heights. And Solomon is saying here that mental aging comes with the risk of taking, or comes with the fear of taking risks. A fear of challenges and new things. And he's right. We choose to be old when we keep the, the things the same. When I was preparing this, I pulled out of my drawer my fountain pen. Who knows what a fountain pen is? Huh? Writing with a fountain pen in a writing pad and a blotter. Anybody know what a blotter is? Oh, okay. Yeah, you can hang on to things. The old, because we don't want to risk the new. Now, I've got a mobile phone and I pick it up when, when it rings and I text. That's as far as I go. I'm not a Luddite, but I don't go on social media. So sometimes that idea of afraid of heights that Solomon was talking about, can engulf us when we're elderly. And he goes on to say that in old age we tend to glorify the past at the expense of the present, present or the future. The good old days. Now there are some things that are really good in the past, like music, Right? There hasn't been a decent music since 1969 or 59 when Buddy Holly died. But you can't live in the past. People say, oh, you know, our church was great in the past. Let me tell you, I was pastoring in the past. It wasn't that great. We're living in a fantastic time. 
to keep going back and comparing the past is dangerous because we carry an idealized picture. If we could only go back. I love steam trains, but I really don't want to have steam trains as the only way to get from place to place. So let me ask you, are the grasshoppers a burden? Are there too many risks to let go of the old ways? Or are we living in the glories of the past? None of these things inhabited Caleb's life. He remained convinced that he would get his inheritance and he would die happy. And you go on and you read how he was able to distribute what he had to his family and he was so happy about that. He fought alongside the young soldiers when they took the land. He didn't let the good times or the bad times diminish his faith. He endured the disappointments, the good times and his fading years. You know, as Christians, we've got greater promises than these. We don't have to defeat the Amalekites to get those promises. We've got God's grace. We've got sins forgiven, promises of resurrection to eternal life because Jesus died to provide these for us. On the cross, he paid for our sin. In his resurrection, he guaranteed his followers would also rise with him. We have the promise of God's indwelling spirit taking up residence. So, what promises are you depending on? God's promises, hopefully? Then keep on keeping on. Whether it be in your family, at work, or in the community, be a Caleb. Let your enduring faith move you into those spaces proclaiming God's goodness and his grace. So let's endure to the end with a vital faith that God will continue to keep his promises today as he did with Caleb. Let's pray. Father, we don't want to lift another human up as being a an example of how we should be. But it's hard not to see the life of Caleb and see what a wonderful, enduring faith that just came through his pores. He was able to accomplish so much and yet he is so old. Lord, as we move through our life, Help us cling to those promises you have given to us in Jesus. This side of the cross, Lord, we don't have to worry about sacrifice. We don't have to worry 
about performance. You have done it all. Help us to grasp hold of that truth and live in the promises that you have made through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.